Well, greetings and welcome to the newsroom for the first time in 2021 and as part of the VLGA Summer Series. Welcome to Catherine Arndt, CEO of the VLGA. How are you, Catherine? I'm very well, Chris. How are you? I'm excellent, thank you. Did you have a nice break? I know you went travelling because I saw your Twitter and Facebook activity, which has made the rest of us very jealous. Oh, look, I, I did actually go travelling and got uh, stuck in Coolangatta when some of the borders closed again, but I'm not complaining. It was it was delightful. I, I got to see dolphins on my daily walk and do a little bit of fishing, throwing the fish back, of course, and enjoying the surf and, and the sunshine. How did you go with the new permit system for travelling interstate? Look, I found it um, very simple. Um, and I, I thought that the, the team of people who greeted you at arrivals at Melbourne Airport were doing a, a fantastic job. And, you know, my hat goes off to all of those who are, you know, working on the front line during what is a continuing COVID environment. Let's get into some news, shall we? There's been yes. a good happening. So a few news stories that I wanted to uh, highlight and get your thoughts on, Catherine. It's been a busy time. And one that particularly caught my eye was the recent discussion that's happening at a national level about local government's lack of a seat at the table at uh, National Cabinet and some, some really good points being made about how, uh, particularly as we move into vaccine rollout stage, um, local councils are uniquely placed to be, uh, to be a part of that. And a lot of mayors are saying uh, we, our sector, should have uh, a voice in the discussions that are happening at the national level. Yes, Chris, I, I watched that uh, interview. I think it was with um, one of the ALGA board members, um, the Australian Local Government Association. And what wasn't entirely clear to me was whether the mayors themselves wanted to be on or involved on that national cabinet or to have their representation occur uh, via ALGA. As we know, ALGA did have a seat on COAG when it existed, um, albeit um, uh, wasn't a particularly active seat. I, and um, as we know with COAG, there were very many reasons why that wasn't um, working particularly effectively um, for all levels of government. <clears throat> so I, I think what what struck me in that story was that once again, we see during a pandemic situation, as we have during fire season, droughts, floods, local government are at the forefront of delivering services to the community. Now, of course, the state government is rolling out a lot of their uh, responses to COVID at a regionalised level. So the question for me would be, um, how are those regions represented um, in those decision-making bodies? And I think that that's one uh, that the sector needs to con consider, but also the state and federal government. We'll put the links to the articles we refer to, I think, in the comments fields on the YouTube channels uh, pe uh, so people can follow them up, Catherine. But that particular one came from the ABC and it mentions that hundreds of mayors have written to the Prime Minister. So that uh, seems to be a fairly coordinated lobbying campaign to me that's been coordinated by uh, the ALGA. Uh, the new president, Linda Scott, is featured in that interview. Yes. So we'll keep an eye on that to see whether anything comes of it, particularly as we move into the vaccine rollout phase in this country. Yeah, and, and, and look, I'd really encourage our listeners to 
put any of their thoughts or opinions um, on our comment section of the YouTube page or even directly to us here at the VLGA. Another one uh, that's coming out of uh, Sydney is an opinion piece from a local mayor who has called into question that uh, separation of powers, I'd call it, between councillors and the executive of council organisations. He seems to be basically saying, and uh, forgive me, uh, I'll find his name in a moment, he is basically saying that councillors should have the power to uh, appoint and uh, sack all executive levels of staff within councils. Yes, I read that and, and I was intrigued with uh, some of the suggestions that that mayor made. Um, of course, in New South Wales, uh, the system um, is even more devolved in some ways than the Victorian system in that I believe they have independent uh, committees that assess planning applications in New South Wales at the local government level, whereas, of course, we know here in Victoria that accounts for about 80, or no, not that much, but certainly a significant part of the council's time. Mm -hmm. um, but this man goes further to say that, yes, as you said, Chris, that um, the council group should be responsible for executive appointments beyond and below the CEO level, that, that they need to be involved in in managing these multi-million dollar service delivery businesses. Now, of course, I mean, you've got a question and of course I haven't had the opportunity to talk to him about that directly, what his understanding then would be about the role of the councillor group in the actual governance of, of the organisation. He did compare uh, the role of a council group to a role of a board of directors, I believe in that article, but of course, board of directors themselves don't get involved in that level of operational decision-making that the mayor is suggesting the councillor group should do. Mm -hmm. And I would question whether, in fact, the councillor group would be best placed to be getting into that level um, of management of what is a service delivery technical business. Um, we, that's, that's why the CEOs are remunerated at the level that they are. That's why they come from a very particular um, background with a skill set and capability level that enables them to direct thousands of staff and also fulfil statutory responsibilities to deliver services on behalf of the state and federal level of government. But again, I'd be really interested to hear the thoughts of our, our listeners about that. Catherine, I wonder, this might be a little bit provocative, but I wonder if we'd be um, reigniting this debate if we hadn't been through the last 12 months where we've seen a lot of mayors particularly uh, questioning their role when they've been um, sort of shut out because of lockdowns and things while the administration goes about its business as obviously it has needed to do? Yeah, good question, Chris. We certainly did hear that from a lot of uh, mayors and also councillors generally. Uh, and we must be mindful that it was also a, an election year. So um, often the councillor group, understandably, in those positions would be campaigning quite actively in a different way than they were able to do in this election cycle. We saw that the Local Government Act didn't allow for the councillor group to meet virtually, that that required an, um, a bill to be passed to enable that to happen. Uh, and there was a, a hint initially that that perhaps wouldn't occur, uh, but the state government certainly heard um, 
you know, the voices of, of councillors and made sure that that could occur. But um, you, it's, a, it's a good question. Um, perhaps one more before we get on to some specific VLGA news that I know you have for us this week. I was very interested to read, and I'll read you a couple of quotes, a piece out of uh, England, um, the LGC Local Government Chronicle website, uh, is talking about um, the uh, the Prime Minister, in the view of this, uh, this uh, writer, uh, appearing oblivious to the dangers of pressing ahead with local elections in May. So what does this remind you of? So local government elections are due to happen in May of this year. There's a current determination, and I quote, to press ahead regardless of the risks which is generating a great deal of fear in the sector that months of stressful and complicated planning will be followed by a last, another last-minute U-turn in terms of uh, lockdowns, etc. First thing that struck me about that is it's, there's been no mandated postal vote, obviously, although there is the option for that in England. But um, we understand, don't we, the, uh, the debate that's happening? Yes, I feel for... for uh the Prime Minister for having to have that on his agenda to, to be considering about in, in the middle of what is this, just a terrible situation in the UK, of course, but also the councillor group. And we had the, you know, the pleasure of catching up with a couple of CEOs from the UK uh, just prior to Christmas and hear, you know, where they were in their journey with COVID. And, and I must say, I felt for them because we were at what we thought was sort of the end of it, or at least we'd got back to, to, to that, that wonderful figure of zero at that stage. And yet they were only just about to commence their, their harshest lockdown periods, um, which I think have now even become harsher since we did speak with them. So my understanding also in the UK is that there are significantly more um, councillors per um, council than we do have here and that's because they're larger uh, councillor groups and they also have um, extensive responsibilities uh, above and beyond what what our own local councils are responsible for so that will be um, particularly in the environment that they're in at the moment a big um, concern for them and I can appreciate that that they'll have to work their way through that um, they'll have to take into account, of course, their legislation, what they can and cannot do, and also what are the expectations of the people to be involved in not only running as candidates in a local government election, but also exercising their vote. Examples of candidates being uh, fined by police for, for being out campaigning when they're apparently not meant to be. But I thought this was interesting too, uh, Catherine, uh, a survey done by the LGIU um, of 353 council leaders, chiefs, and uh, basically governance officers, I believe, only one in 10 believe the polls should take place in May and more than two thirds are advocating a delay until the autumn in the UK. Wow, that's, um, that's pretty telling, isn't it? Certainly is. Or I'll, mm. we'll put the link to that in the uh, in the show notes if people would like to um, delve into that a little bit deeper. What about some local VLGA news, Catherine? Because I understand your AGM is just around the corner. Um, we have our AGM on the 25th of February, uh, commencing at 4.30pm. That will be a virtual AGM. It's actually our 2020 AGM um, as an incorporated association for VLGA, as were other incorporated um, associations, were granted an extension of six months to hold last year's AGM, and that was because of COVID. 
So our 2020 AGM will be on the 25th of February, 4.30pm via Zoom. We do have some special resolutions to put to the membership, um, essentially just tweaking an anomaly in the constitution that comes up every council election um, year. So every four years um, in, in terms of um, the VLGA constitution. So it's nothing substantive, but we do need our members there to consider that and to extend a vote in favour of those changes. Uh, the other thing that's coming up um, really quickly is our annual leadership development program, Fast Track. Uh, that is being held on the 5th of March, and that's a full day's program. We have the Minister for Local Government opening, uh, the new Executive Director of Local Government Victoria attending also, and um, the Minister will be very happy to uh, have a Q&A with the uh, participants uh, at the beginning of the day, and we have a, a great uh, lineup of panellists and a surprise um, group to end the day's session for a little bit of fun, followed by some drinks and uh, canapes. Ooh. And we'll be ho uh, hosting that at our Picture Partners uh, a sponsor um, in Spencer Street, so easily accessible to everyone. Um, so the 5th of March, uh, put that in your diaries. Um, your induction training and councillor code of conduct training is underway as well? That's right. We're rolling that out um, very quickly. And, and Steve Cooper is on the road delivering not only councillor induction training, but also code of conduct training, which we're doing in partnership with Justicia lawyers. So Melissa Scadden, who a lot of our viewers would be familiar with, um, she's sat on a couple of panels of VLGA Connect. Um, this is right up her alley. She does a lot of work with the sector on code of conduct and also conflict resolution. So really important things in, in terms of the, where councils are at in this term uh, to be getting their heads around. A couple of quick notes about upcoming events. The Hart Awards nominations, they open very soon. Uh, yes, they do. They're opening up on February the 19th. Um, so keep an eye out for that. I think we've already started getting some um, information out there through our e-news mail out. Terrific. So look forward to those 2020 winners of the Heart Awards being acknowledged in that way, Catherine. That's probably uh, enough for a bumper return edition of the newsroom as part of the summer series. Oh, I think so. And I'm feeling a little rusty. Uh, I'm, I'm glad it's a summer series and, and, you know, we can just ease back into it. Yes. Thank you, Catherine. Great to see you. Welcome back. All the best for 2021. And we'll talk again very soon on hopefully what people will find a more useful, more newsy newsroom. That's right. I'm looking forward to this new format and certainly looking forward to talking to you next week.